Morning, everybody. Here we are. That seems to get more sarcastic every week. Morning, Mr. Collins. As as it should be, I suppose. Mr. Collins is my father, actually. As they say, you can call me dude. So, no, here we are. Beautiful Sunday morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us, uh, for your presence in our lives, God, from uh, before we even knew you were there, uh, God, to the day we discovered it and every day since, to this day, God, we uh, are grateful that your love has watched over us and that your keeping power has brought us to this place and we have confidence today, God, that your spirit is going to bring us all the way to the end. Oh God, today I just bind the carnal mind. I loose the Spirit of God. I pray that Your presence would do in this place precisely what You want to do and nothing less. God, we just pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. God, prepare this Word. God, and prepare the, the Word for the, the regular service as well. God, we just pray that Your presence would speak to us those things that we... Uh, that we so need, and you know what every heart needs, and we pray that you would bring us those things in the fullness, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. So not everybody has their triumphs and their failures plastered across uh, uh, the world for everyone to see. You know, I, I think of uh, Chuck Colson. You know, he had uh, he had a good thing going for himself, and and uh, and he was a public figure, and he went for from the very heights of success to prison, and and there he found God, or God found him, as it were. <clears throat> and so, but not everybody has a life so um, dramatic or so public, where everyone sees those things. Thank God, and. Uh, and thus it is that we come to church and, and until we really get to know people, we think everybody's perfect already. So I came here when I was 16 and, and I just thought, wow, everyone's just is so perfect and wonderful and nice. And, and then I found out they all had flesh like me and maybe they weren't so perfect yet and neither was I. And our countenances sharpened one another over the years. You come to church and you hear this every time you walk by somebody not a bad thing entirely. So, um, Peter then. Peter had these great triumphs and these great successes and these dismal failures uh, in, a, in very seemingly a rapid succession. It's like uh, uh, whatever you call those on the roller coasters where they just kind of seem to go up and down really fast. And uh, those are never a, a fun point in your life where uh, things seem to go so well and then so not well, but uh, it's a precious thing. You know, God put Paul in uh, in the New Testament and he used him as this poster child for redemption because uh, if God would save Paul instead of just turning him into a greasy spot on the road, then, uh, then we all have that assurance that surely he would accept me. And so we have Peter that surely I could 
I could have the best of intentions and screw everything up and and still God can do in me exactly what He wants to do and He can work through me and on me and and get done what He wants to get done because He's the great potter. So go with me to uh, Mark 14. I have quite a few places I'm going to be jumping around to today. It's kind of fun to go through the Gospels and uh, look at the, the differences in the way the stories are told. And the, because the, the, uh, the differences in the details, or the, uh, where some details are missing in some stories and not in others, can be very instructive. But I think you get a really great picture <clears throat> when you look at them all together. And that's one thing that's, that's great about these keyword Bibles is you don't have to even go looking for it. It tells you at, at every little subject heading where you can find this in the other Gospels, which is quite convenient. So, you all know Peter. He needs no introduction, this, this fisherman. And uh, um, there's nothing special about him in particular except that he he answered... Jesus is called to follow him. And so, if you're here and you are, then you too must have answered that call. And so, the thing, the great thing is about Peter's life is we can all find ourselves in there somewhere. And we can identify with his successes, I hope. We can identify with his failures, I'm sure. Um, but somewhere in there, you can uh, you can kind of read about Peter and just stick your own face on it in your 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 mental little movie while you're reading. And so Jesus is eating the the Passover with his disciples, and um, you know it hasn't been long since Peter had this great revelation that uh, that that Jesus was indeed the Christ, and and there was this great triumph immediately followed by Jesus rebuking him because the first voice that, that, that Peter went with was great, but the second voice not so much because he told Jesus, no, you're not going to die. And, and so, of course, Jesus rebukes that voice because that uh, was not the right thing. And so, so um, you got to think Peter's probably at least somewhat bewildered by, by Jesus and by the things that he says, and and uh, it's funny how you can love somebody and trust them and not necessarily understand them. That's why we get married. That's why young men find a woman, and they love them and they trust them. Maybe not understand them so much. It does get better. Trust me. If you spend a little time studying, make yourself a student, then you know. You can uh, you can figure those things out. Um, I think some women are a little more straightforward than others. I found one of those, so she was pretty easy to figure out. Anyway, that's all free. That's an aside. <clears throat> so so Jesus is uh, he's been talking to the disciples about what's getting ready to happen. He's been uh, preparing them for. Um, for his uh, imminent departure, and uh, and talking about uh, how you know I'm going to send you another comforter, and these things are all going to be fine, you know. And uh, um, but it, it's funny how 
how God can be, He can tell you really comforting things and tell you things that kind of make your stomach gurgle at the same time. And, and it's precious how He intersperses the two because you kind of, you need that sense of reassurance when, uh, when you're thinking, I don't really like what, he's, what I'm hearing here. And so in verse 27, he starts out with one of these things that's not so pleasant to say. He says, Jesus says, all of you should be offended because of me this night. Because it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter said to him, although all should be offended, yet will not I. And so, so Peter has this, this declaration of his undying loyalty. And, and I can tell you that he, he's, he's not trying to, to bluster or, or, uh, or brag here. He he's seriously uh, loves Jesus and he has this fierce loyalty to him. And, and so uh, it's funny how you know, God takes us through things to show us what's really, what's really in our heart. Um, but I can also tell you that um, you know, I'm sure that you know, of course Jesus knew uh, how things were going to happen. But it, it, at some level, it must have done his heart good to know that Peter loved him so much and that he had this sense of loyalty to him. And when you're, when you're on the cusp or in the middle of some dreadful uh, thing that you wish you could avoid but you can't, uh, just having somebody there that, that's on your side is a real precious thing. So Peter says, although all should be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, you shall deny me thrice. And so Jesus doesn't say this as if it were some sort of warning. Like, don't, don't you dare. Like, you're going to be tempted to do this. I mean, he told Peter before, he said that Satan has desired to, to have you and sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith not fail. So Jesus has already been talking to him about. I know these these things are coming, and you're gonna have you're gonna run into some hard stuff. But here Jesus says this to him. Uh, this is not a warning. Uh, this is a statement. This is, he says that today, this tonight, this is going to happen. So uh, you can trust me on that. And but then Peter answers back, and he says, but he spake the more vehemently. Even if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. And likewise, also said they all. So again, there's just this sense of, you know, I, I love you, and how, you know, how could I, how could I just abandon you? You know, how how would I forsake you and run away? Uh, flip over with me real briefly to uh, John chapter two. And I find this very encouraging and very comforting because now we're going back to uh, to the, the very uh, beginnings of uh, of Jesus calling his disciples to him, and uh, uh, so he, he's talking about you know his disciples are seeing the things that he's doing and and slowly putting two and two together. And in verse 24 it says, But, uh, well, verse 23, Now he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, and many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, 
And he needed not that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Of course, uh, in, uh, he was man. He was God, but he was man. And so, of course, he knew what was in man. But uh, you, you learn things about people as you go through life. And uh, um, you begin to see these sort of types of, of personalities. And you can begin to, to really kind of figure, like, you know, I kind of lump this person. You know, they're like sort of the same sort of person as this guy. And so, you know, these people kind of tend to do this and, and that kind of thing. And so you can learn about people. And, uh, um, and of course, people tell you that you're evil and you're profiling and you're stereotyping and so forth and so on. But, um, you know, if you know me, then you know a great deal about Mike because we're very much the same. So, uh, and that, that's kind of more what I'm saying. It's like you can kind of get to know somebody and you know other people that are like them and you begin to see those things. But what Jesus is saying here is he knew what was in man. He knew what was in Peter when he called him. And so from the very beginning, uh, he, he knew all about Peter. And the great thing is, is that nothing that happens in your life comes as a surprise to the Lord. And, you know, there's a, it's comforting when you, you have a problem. And you you take it to somebody that you believe can help you or that you know can help you, and and you're kind of in a panic about this thing, and and they they treat it like ah, no big deal. Um, I mean, how many times have you gone to talk to Ron about some serious, terrible problem that you're really worked up about, and he almost just dismisses it like ah, psh. it's like that's that's nothing, that's no big deal, and. Uh, of course, then there's those times that you tell him something and he, he gets up and he's listening, but he goes over and gets his bottle of Tums. And, and, <laughs> and then you're thinking, oh, should I stop now or do you want to hear more? You know, but, <laughs> um, but you know, he, uh, you know, Jesus knew uh, what was in Peter. God knows what's in you. And so when you have those, those moments of, I can't believe that just happened, I think God... He knows that's there. He's expecting that, those things to, to happen in your life. And because he, he knows how to work on those things. He knows how to fix the stuff. And, and sometimes, like David, he has to show you that it's there first. And because uh, nobody likes those moments where you look in the mirror and, and you see you and you think, wow, I didn't know that was there. Uh, but the, uh, it's a comfort to know that uh, that God knows it's there, and God has an, every intention of fixing it, and not such a big deal to Him because He can fix it. You know, when you know how to do something, it's not a big deal. I had this broken window in my house that I'm selling, and to me it was a big deal because you know taking you know, wood off of my house and pulling this window out of the opening and putting another one in uh, when the the whole part of the reason I was replacing it was because there was something wrong with the window. I'm thinking, okay, well, what if I get it back in and it doesn't fit and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I'm not a carpenter, so for me, I'm, I, it was a big deal. You know, my faunus comes over 
You know, I mean, I, I, I took, I got it all ready to take out. He told me what to do. And he comes over, pulls it out, slaps the window back in, and uh, shaves, like, these little slivers off of this trim board to make it fit back in there because the, this new window is actually straight. And, uh, <laughs> go figure. And, uh, I mean, he was, he was in and out in, like, 20 minutes. And he just, I was like, man, can I, can I give you something, anything? And he's like, oh. And I was telling him how I want to do some work to the, the house in Ottawa and uh, uh, kind of some historically accurate updates to the porch and stuff. And he's like, well, you know, when you get settled in, you're ready to do that, come just give me a call and I'll help you with it and you can take me out to lunch and we'll call it good. <laughs> okay. You know, and I kind of put myself in those shoes. It's like, you know, I've, I've done painting stuff for people that to them it was a really big deal. And to me, it's just another day at the office. So, you know, when you, uh, well, for Mike, every day is another day at the office. But when you, you know, when you know how to do something, it's really not a big deal. And so, so it is with God fixing your life. Because, he, you know, you, you go to the doctor and you're thinking, man, I got all this, all this stuff. And they're like, ah, pff, no big deal. I've done thousands of these. No problem. And just. You know, fix it in and out. And, you know, to you, it's this big life-changing thing. He's going to go home and watch the Royals game tonight <laughs> and and forget all about you. Not that God would forget about you, but you know what I'm saying. So so no no surprises then for God. You know, uh, uh, I know somebody said once that, you know, we see, we see life like you're driving down the road. You can only see to the horizon. And... Uh, uh, but for for God, watching your life is like watching it with a bird's eye view, and He can see all the way from the beginning to the end, even while He can see where you are right now. So go with me to John 18. So Peter has declared his undying loyalty then, and and his his honest uh, intention. To uh, to not not uh, not do the very thing that Jesus said he would do, because he said that you guys will all forsake me tonight. And so, um, so here we've just finished here in John this 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 great like four chapter discourse where he Jesus just says all these awesome things to him, and then and then prays this uh, this great prayer in John 17. And in chapter 18, verse 1, he says that uh, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, and he, there into the which he entered, and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. Now Judas isn't with them, of course, because Jesus said, whatever you're going to do, just do it quickly, get it over with. And so, so he's gone now. And uh, Jesus off. Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, comes thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said, Whom seek ye? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon then... As he had said to them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. And he asked them again, Whom seek ye? 
And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And I can't imagine they said it in the same tone of voice that time around. <laughs> Probably a little more uncertainly. Uh, yeah, Jesus of Nazareth. <clears throat> and Jesus said, I've told you that I'm He. If therefore you seek seek Me, then let these go their way. That that saying might be fulfilled which He spoke, of them which you thou gavest Me, I have lost none. And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his ear, his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus said to Peter, Put up your sword into the sheath. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? So, so here, here Peter is ready to make good on his, on his promise. And uh, Jesus, in his wisdom, he understands that he, that he has to, to do this, that this is the very will of God that he was just hoping he could possibly not have to follow through on. But, but he's already laid down his will. He said, you know, I take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so, uh, you know, the the answer is now obvious that yes, you will indeed be doing this. And I, I think he probably thought, you know, this is probably a long shot, praying that I'd like to have this cup passed from me. But here he is, and here's this angry mob of of people, and uh, and Peter, you know, I I don't know. You know how many swords they had. I think somewhere in the Gospels, uh, uh, one of the, one of the disciples says, "Hey, we have two swords here." And uh, but here Simon Peter is, is facing an angry mob, and so the odds are not good for him uh, if he's going to just take on this angry mob. And so, so Jesus uh, not only points out that this is this is what I, I have to do. He also saves uh, Peter from being lynched by this mob, and uh, and tells him, you know, put up your sword. Uh, and so, um, what do I have here? Yep. Okay. So, where was I? Yep. So he says he's going to he's going to drink it. And then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and they bound him. They led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. And that disciple was known to the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without, and then went out that other disciple, which was known to the high priest, and spake to her that kept the door and brought in Peter. And then saith the damsel that kept the door to Peter, Art thou not also one of the man's disciples? And he saith, I am not. And so here he is again. His sense of self-preservation is causing him to step into this very place that, that Jesus told him he would. And and it's funny because it's it's easy to see that you don't want to you don't want to deny Jesus while you're sitting here all comfortable. You know, this nice cozy church in the Midwest, but it's quite another thing when there's all these angry people uh, out for blood, and and they're and they want to know, hey, are you with that guy? It's like, you know, it's like uh, it's like when your kids are throwing a fit in the store, and and you call yourself, you know, Uncle Greg. <laughs> it's like I'm not with you. 
There were lots of times when I was growing up, my parents kind of wished that I was not with them. When they, they kind of distanced themselves from me in public. And, and as well they should have. I gave them reasons. Um, so so here, here's, here's the first time she says, aren't you one of his disciples? And he says, no, I'm not. And the servants and the officers stood there and made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. What an uncomfortable place to be. You know, standing around, warming yourself at the fire in this place you know you don't belong. Standing around with all these guys, you know you don't fit here. And, and all the while thinking about, what did I just say? What did I just do? And thinking about the things that, that Jesus is going through. And so the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples. Well, we'll skip that. So I'm talking about Peter here. In verse 25, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. So we have this stuff going on with Jesus. And they said to him, Therefore, art not thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it. And he said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see thee with thee? See thee in the garden with him? And Peter denied again, and immediately the cock crew. You know, that, that would certainly make you nervous. It's like, hey, you know, it's like, you dirty rat, you killed my brother, see? You know? <laughs> you know? It's like, hey, didn't I see you with him? Weren't you the guy waving the sword around? It's like, uh, no. You know, and, and it's not a funny story, but, you know, at the same time, you know, think, well, that would certainly ratchet up that level of fear. It's like, wow, because I feel like I'm already skirting the edge of this violence getting ready to happen to me. And uh, um, and so go with me real quick over to Luke 22. Because this is that same moment. But the way that Luke... Uh, there's a something that Luke tells us here that is really interesting. Uh, verse 59. And about the space of an hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow was with him, for he's a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. What a moment would that be? That he's he's where he can see these things going on. And, um, you know, to... You know, to have this this look. It doesn't tell you what kind of look, but uh, I, I'm sure that it was not a reproving kind of look. I'm sure it was not a "see, I told you so" kind of look. I think it was a look of compassion and pity and concern because he knows what's getting ready to happen to Peter, because now he's fulfilled the very thing that Jesus told him he was going to do. And this is why Jesus had prayed for him that his faith wouldn't fail because he's now being sifted. And uh, here this, this, uh, this man that he loves, is uh, now he's denied him uh, in, his, in his very presence with all these people who are out to get him. And, and now, uh, you know, well, he says, Peter, remember the word of the Lord. How he said to him before the cock crew, "Thou shalt deny, cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice." And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. You know what else would you do? So, 
uh, go with me over to Mark 16. You know, it's an amazing thing how God doesn't, He doesn't rub your nose in the things that He did for you. And He doesn't, He doesn't make a big deal out of, you know, after all that I've done for you, could you not hold it together for five minutes? You know, he, He doesn't treat us like that. And, and it's a precious thing. Because, you know, I mean, I just, I can't imagine that look that Jesus must have given him. You know, that look of, wow, I, I, there's nothing I can do for him right now. I've committed him into the hands of God, and I, I hope that he comes through this okay. And I, and I trust God that he will. But to know that that his 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 faith is getting is coming into such a, a sore testing as that. And so now, so now he's come into this this dark dark place and. Uh, I think we've all been in those places in our life where, uh, perhaps not for these these same reasons as Peter, but where we feel like we've just done everything wrong, and and uh, it feels like God is nowhere, and um, it feels like you can't hear Him, you can't see Him, you can't feel Him, and and you're thinking, what what has happened to my life, and uh, and or or you've you know what you've you know, that you've done something that um, uh, that perhaps God is just quiet for a while, while He He lets you work through these uh, uh, these places of repentance. Uh, you know, because God is very wise uh, sometimes to not just fix fix right away, because uh, there's a, a value in, for lack of a better word, in stewing in that that feeling of wow of regret that wow I can't believe that just happened so so Jesus is is now uh, resurrected left the tomb and and uh, uh, the two Marys have come uh, to the tomb and they see the the angel there it says, entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man, verse 5, sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said, be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, that he is risen, and he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, and tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee, and there you shall see him as he said to you. I love that. Go tell his disciples and Peter. You know, but that's an interesting statement too, because uh, I think if I were Peter and Mary comes in and tells me this, I'd be thinking, did he mean like including Peter, like, hey, be be glad, be comforted, because I, I I was resurrected, like I told you, or is this like a so go let Peter know that I was telling the truth and this thing all worked out and he's gonna get it. You know what I mean? I, I think that that sense of guilt would would eat away at you. Of, wow, I I denied him, and and he really is. If he really is raised from the dead, then what would he say to me? Because the last thing he heard me say was, "I don't know him." And but uh, um, you know, I know we all know the, how this is getting ready to turn out. 
And and I think it's precious that he he makes sure to include Peter specifically because I think Peter probably would have thought, well, I'm well, he said the disciples, but that surely couldn't still be me. So so I'll just go on my way then. But 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 Jesus said specifically for me to to meet him in Galilee. So I guess I'm going to be there. So go with me over to um, Luke 24. Told you I was going to skip around a lot. You all know this story well about the uh, the two nameless disciples on the, the road to Emmaus and how this this man that doesn't look like Jesus, that doesn't sound like Jesus, but it is Jesus, comes and talks to them uh, these things about uh, the Word of God and opens it up to to their understanding and teaches them these things and, and their hearts burned within them. And uh, I won't read the whole thing, but uh, I'll start at 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew near to the village, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, that he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. You know, and, and how many of you know that when you, you sit down to, to you know, bless the food at dinner, it's like it's, it kind of becomes almost a habit, a habitual, ritual sort of way that you, that you do those things. And so you know something must have been really familiar in in the way that this this stranger uh, blessed the bread and broke it and gave it to him, and their eyes were opened and they knew him. And 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 I know that there's of course a spiritual dimension there too, but there there must have been something very familiar about the way that he did that. And their eyes were opened and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he yet while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose up that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven gathered together. So Peter's there with them. And they, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So in the midst, in this whole story about these disciples, it never says anything about, about Jesus tell, talking to them about how he had appeared to Simon. And, and Simon's here. He's at this gathering of these eleven where the disciples have showed up and they said, hey, the Lord is risen. And you know, he said he appeared to Simon. You know everybody looked at Peter. Like, he did what? Like, you saw him? You know, but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because um, he doesn't tell you anything about, about this meeting. He doesn't tell you anything about this conversation other than that he had risen and that he talked with Peter. That he'd appeared to Peter, because um, because he loved him, and because uh, there are some conversations to which no one else need be privy, and and so you know he came and talked to Peter alone about the things like look you know I I know that you feel like you let me down, but. But you you were doing the very thing that I, I told you you would do, 
and I, but I have a purpose for it in your life. And, and there, there's, is, uh, there's good that's going to come out of this thing. And, and you know that, that Peter must have uh, just felt so humbled and so uh, relieved that that Jesus would still you know take him in and, and love him and and uh, and care for him but this this whole transaction of this this uh, restoration of Peter is a private thing and and this is about all it says about it here as he says the Lord's risen indeed and appeared to Simon so the last place I want to go is John 21. This is about the only other thing I could think of that that deals with um, Jesus and Peter having a conversation uh, after after he was resurrected. And of course, you know the story about uh, them fishing all night because Peter was such a great fisherman, and uh, and how uh, they come to the shore because they know it's him, and then they they eat with him. In verse 15 he says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? And he said, Yea, Lord, you know that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now the interesting thing here, and I'm sure you probably already know this, uh, but there's a lot lost in the translation into English. Because love is far too broad a word in English. And because we we love uh, our job, we love our family, we love Adele. I don't know, whatever. But it's there's it's such a broad, uh, almost useless word in the the scope of what it in what it covers. It's like, well, what does that mean? It's like you 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 love it. What do you mean you love it? And uh, uh, so this word that that Jesus uses here, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And this word is is agape. This is that 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 selfless, um, unconditional love that that God has for mankind. And He's asking, "Do you love me like that?" And you've got to love Peter's honesty in what he answers back, because he he's already made this declaration that he would never deny Jesus, and then he did. So he's tried and failed. And he's too honest with himself and he's too honest with God to come back and say, yeah, I got that, you too. And he comes back and he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love thee. And this word is phileo. This is like, it's like he's saying, yes, Jesus, you know that I'm your friend. And so it's a much, it's a, still a very noble kind of word. In fact, in the, in the Greek, the, this, this kind of love, this, this friendship love is considered to be a very noble type of thing, and so it is, but uh, it still doesn't approach to the kind of word that Jesus was using. It's not the same thing at all, because, uh, you know, friends are great, um, but um, a friend can't be everywhere with you all the time. There are those places in your life that a friend simply cannot go, where, where someone with this kind of love can go. And so, so he says, Simon, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me um, selflessly? Do you love me more than you love them? But do you love me more than you love you? 
And and you know Peter was thinking, well, I thought I did. And he says, well, Jesus, you know I'm your friend. And so Jesus said, feed my lambs. And he saith to him the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yea, Lord, you know that I love thee. And he said to him, feed my sheep. Same words. And he saith to him the third time, Son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Now he's using the word that Peter's been using. He's like, Peter, are you my friend? And it says, Peter was grieved because he said to him this third time, lovest thou me? Because he asked him again, are are you just my friend then? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I'm your friend. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is a precious thing because this is what... uh, this is what Peter had told him uh, before. He said, we, we know that you know everything. We know that you came out from God. So there's, there's nothing hidden from you. And so, you know, I, I can't help but think that, that Peter was thinking, what, what is he getting at? You know, and, uh, and so, um, and then to, to have... To have Jesus condescend this this sense of love to okay, so you don't perhaps love me unconditionally. You don't perhaps love me in this selfless kind of way. But are you my friend? And uh, and Peter says, of course, I'm your friend. You know, I'm your friend. You know everything. You know that 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 I love you like that. But I've tried. I I thought that I could stand with you, and I thought that I would never deny you. And I did. So I can't tell you that I love you unconditionally, that I love you selflessly more than me. But I'm your friend. And he says, Verily, verily I say unto you, when you were young, you girded yourself. You walked whether you would, but when you're old, you shall stretch forth your hands, and another shall gird you and carry you whither you wouldst not. And this he spake, signifying what death by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. What a thing to say. Like, you know, you, you yes, I know, you tried. I know you have, you, you, you did everything right that you knew how to do. You, you, you gave it your all because you honestly love me. I know you're my friend. And I know that you want to please me. And so you you did the best you could. But now, I'm going to take you beyond what you could do and what I can do. Because I can do exceeding abundantly more than you could even ask or think. Everything where you fall short, I don't fall short. And all you got to do is work with me on these things. Just cooperate with me and let me do these things in your life. Because I know you're my friend. And you're my friend, so you'll work with me. You trust me. I know that. And I'm going to bring you to this place where you love me unconditionally. I'm going to bring you to this place where you love me uh, selflessly. Where you love me more than you love you. So much so that you're going to love me unto death. And so he said that he said that when you're old, you shall stretch forth your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you, whether you wouldest not. And, and he's talking about his death. And history teaches us that uh, that he was crucified by Nero uh, during the 
of one of his, his big circus things that he did. Um, but before Peter ever got there, Peter lived that life of being girded by someone else and taken where he wouldn't go, taken where he couldn't go. Because you look at this Peter, who was afraid to admit that, yes, I, I am in Jesus' party. I, I came with him here. And then you, you look at him in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. And, and he's, he's got his finger in the face of the, the religious elite uh, telling him what they've done wrong and, and confronting him with, with their, uh, their failure. And, uh, and so Peter had this success in his life. This, this ends on such a successful note here because, uh, because Jesus tells him, yeah, you, you tried and you did everything you can do, and I'm glad that you did. I'm glad that you take me that seriously. I'm glad of your loyalty. I appreciate it. Uh, but you can't go where I'm going to take you. But I'm going to take you there. I'm going to get you there with my power. And, and down through the ages, there's going to be people who are going to read about you. And they're going to thank God that I can do that kind of stuff. Because they're going to see... They're going to see this guy Peter and all of his frailty and all of his failures. And they're going to see the success of God in his life. So so we have a, a fantastic hope then in, in God because we can all see ourselves in that picture. And and it's easy to identify with the failures as kind of a knee-jerk reaction. It's like, yep, I'm, this, I'm a big screw-up, sure. But what we want to identify with is the the victory of God in his life because the story doesn't end like Judas's story ended because that's that's exactly how the devil intended for Peter's story to end. But Jesus had prayed that his faith wouldn't fail him. And so he was sifted and he came out on the other side better for it. So that's the kind of God we have. So no matter what your life might be like, no matter what kind of things you might be dealing with, no matter how you might identify with Peter, you you can, I can assure you, you can identify with the victory of God in his life and, and how he got done in Peter what he wanted to get done. So Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for uh, your word to us, for these examples you've given us in your word, God, of, of how you are a an overcoming, never-failing God, and that we have no reason uh, to doubt that you are going to get done in us what you have said. God, uh, it's like you told uh, you told us in Numbers. You said, "Have I said, and shall I not do it? Have I promised, and shall I not make it good?" And God, so you did with Peter. You told him that you were going to take him where he he wouldn't go, where he couldn't go. And and you, but you did, and you you met with him where he was at, and because he was honest with you about where he was at, and so you condescended to that place, and and met him there because you knew that he had done all he could do. And God, we appreciate your love, we appreciate your goodness to us, and and that and we take hold of this word for ourselves, God, that these things uh, are for us, God. We we identify ourselves consciously with the victory of God in in our life, just like you did in Peter. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. (coughs) All right.